We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in. It time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I'm Nick Kendall, joined by Scott Kennedy. Scott, how you doing? Uh, how's the cat? I, I I know he's around watching you right now. <laughs> he's around somewhere. He might make an appearance. Um, I'm I'm alone at my house, and that usually means he comes down and squalls at me and wants to sit in my lap. Hey, wh- where is everybody? So we're just uh, we're just chilling. It's uh, a good Thursday morning. We've got Combine today, and it's front seven guys. Anybody interested in some front seven guys for the Denver Broncos? Edge, defensive line, maybe a linebacker here or there. So it should be a a good day. Yeah, I can't wait for the Broncos to draft another hybrid guy that they're saying, oh, it's going to be a linebacker and end up moving him to edge. Uh, I guess we can get right into that. That was more of a, I think, George Payton comment. And I talked about it with Carl, but I haven't talked about it with you yet. I got to say, I mean, I was... Definitely okay when the Broncos move Baron Browning to edge uh, because mm-hmm. I saw the the traits, the the athletic profile showed that he could be that guy. And also there were flashes of that more so at college and at the NFL where I'm like, okay, we have a starting caliber edge, I think, with the traits here. Um, and then now we have, gosh, Drew Sanders going to apparently play more edge, still a little bit more of a hybrid role. And I hate it. I don't have the same vibe. I know he, George Payton even threw out, oh, it's similar to Baron Browning. They don't measure up the same. Uh, so it's rough. I will be curious to see how he uh, does at some point in the offseason. I'm going to have to circle back and see what he looked like late because I cannot get the Detroit game burnt out of my brain where he was just just destroyed, Scott. It was it was bad. Well, you mentioned him coming in. He's light for a linebacker, let alone, you know, an outside edge guy. You know, it, it came coming in at 235 pounds. He's closer to a Jonathan Cooper than he is a a Baron Browning, and, J- and Cooper's okay. But when did Cooper go in the draft? Seventh, Seventh round, round sixth round, you know. And he's been he's been a solid backup type, um, you know, number three type of guy, which is fine. But that's not why you take a linebacker and you know, trade up for him in the third. Um, so we'll see. I you know we talked about this before. I, I'd rather see if I'm going to take anybody's traits and move them outside. It would be Jonas Griffith. Um, you know, he's bigger. Was he six, four, almost 260 pounds? Um, that might be the way I'd go. But again, it depends on what you, you want to do. We can't sit here and lament the lack of run stopping ability and then go super light. You know, when we already know that the defensive line is outmanned, 
um, and then go super light in the middle behind them, you know, having that 260 pound thumper might be the way to go also. So yeah, again, we'll see it's talk at this point, but the talk ended up being true on Baron Browning. Yeah. I, I, I was excited about Browning being moved there. Cause if, if let's say Drew Sanders is a 75 out of a hundred at linebacker, but a 74 out of a hundred at edge, he's probably more valuable at edge just because mm-hmm. the overall impact of edge compared to linebacker and getting after the passer. But I just, I worry that he just does not have the physical traits to succeed at edge. Maybe he can be almost way more pure of a hybrid player where it's more of a edge rusher. Who's a drop zone kind of guy, a Kyle Van Noy, who was, you know, he blitzed some, but that's such a small, weird niche role that I, I don't know if you're drafting a guy to be that totally. And uh, shout out to Frankie Abbott uh, does good work on Twitter at Frankie's Frankie's film. Uh, he did the pulled up the data here. So I wanted to give him credit. Uh, Drew Sanders played 126 snaps at outside linebacker this last year on the line of scrimmage. He generated five pressures and he touched the quarterback zero times out of those snaps. So I know one of those games was against Penny Sewell. One of those games is against Penny Sewell. And I know Penny Penny Sewell was the best tackle in football last year, Scott. I think that's not crazy to say. We're talking Steven Means production here without the edge setting. Yeah. Yeah. Without the run stopping. Steven Means was a, a a starting edge for the Atlanta Falcons who had two quarterback like hits all year in 15 or 16 games. And they came in the same game, hmm. um, you know, and but he was decent. He could do a job on the edge as far as stopping the run. Um, but Drew, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how yeah. that goes. I want to say hello to some folks that have come in. There's some super chats that have already come in. Road Glide Nation, Nation with the brace has already come in twice. He says, keep Stidham, trade for a Mac Jones as a reclamation project and insurance. Wait and see how the board falls. If your QB is there at 12, then take them. Uh, if not, trade down, add picks, and take the QB later. Uh, what do you think about this, about um, Road Glide Nation's Harley? I can, t- I can see that picture. And uh, about his suggestion about, you know, getting a getting a low risk type of possibly high reward guy, you know, a Mac Jones also would mean a Trey Lance, a Zach Wilson, you know, somebody in there where the other team is ready to give up on them, a Desmond Ritter, um, where they're ready to give up on them and can be had for a song. Yeah, the cost is going to be huge for me in that regard. It's going to have to be no more than like a day three pick swap where you're sending a six rounder and you're getting back the quarterback plus a 2025-7, you know, like where it's really, really minuscule and people are like, oh, we don't want him. Well, that's like the same trade package you had for Jonas Griffith. You know, that's the level of uh, return that I'm looking for here. Obviously, it's going to be different because the uh, you're going to have to pay those guys bigger uh, contracts. But I think that I I would not be against any of that. Uh, You mentioned Mac Jones. You mentioned Zach Wilson. I worry that those guys have such bad habits right now and are so broken that they might need a full year on the bench where mm-hmm. it's just purely a reclamation project. They have not had the football rehab, so to speak. Like somebody like Sam Darnold, he's had a year with Greasy, with Kyle Shanahan, and he's not, you know, seeing ghosts right now, so to speak. He's had a chance to kind of, you know, be a student, step back where I think Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. I don't, they have such bad habits and not trusting themselves and their pieces around them right now that I I just think if you take those guys, I don't mind the lottery, the scratch ticket uh, perspective for that. Um, But I also do not think that 
I would want either of those guys thrown to the wolves in any situation where they have to be played before they're ready. Uh, so I, that makes it harder for me. Yeah, my, my thoughts on this is I would probably wait for them to be cut and then see if I could get them on a practice squad. I don't want to use a, an active 53 on one of these guys. I've said before, uh, would you take a look at my answer without even hearing who it is, is yes. I look at everybody, you know, especially guys that have former first round ped pedigrees. What am I willing to give up for them? That includes a roster spot on the 53. Mm -hmm. Probably not. I'm probably not willing to give up a roster spot on my 53 for a Mac Jones, for a Zach Wilson. I would for Sam Darnold. Um, for a Trey Lance, and I might for Trey Lance, but Mac Jones and uh, Zach Wilson would probably be a no for me on on uh, a roster spot on the 53. And then as far as the pick swap goes, again, the trade compensation would be just about zero, but it's the opportunity cost of what you lose on that 53-man spot. So I'd probably wait for them to be, um, to be released because they're both in the last years of their contracts and then see if I could get them on the practice squad and then see. That's how I'm going to handle a reclamation project, Road Glide Nation, who follows up coming in double time. Uh, with a super chat, he says, I don't want to see uh, the a reach for a quarterback would rather stay at 12 or move back than take a flyer on a Mac Jones who Peyton might be able to and take a flyer on Mac Jones who Peyton might be able to rehabilitate and get something out of him. Um, again, the flyer for me would be, as Nick said, the compensation would be a seven and a six. And then let's say you don't you, you don't like the way the board falls to you you know you you like McCarthy he's gone at 11. Uh, I don't want Knicks or Penix until the second but I don't have a second so the bo the board doesn't fall the right way for me so I'm going with Stidham okay that's not the worst thing in the world and then I'm going to take a big swing on a reclamation project as my backup that'd be okay for me I, I could live with that mm -hmm. if I'm going in with it's and again it comes down to well, that's awful, Scott. <laughs> You're going to go into the 2024 season with Jarrett Stidham and Mac Jones. Are you nuts? What's available to me, though? You know, I'm, I'm, what, what do I have available? And, and again, if it, if it's a Mac Jones, one of those guys, I'm probably waiting for a cut. I'm probably waiting for a cut and signing to a practice squad, uh, like Ben DiNucci. Yeah. And with Mac Jones and Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, you also have the aspect, as you mentioned, of just one year of contract left. So I almost wonder if you bring in one of those guys and you float out some guaranteed money to them to make it a two or three year deal just to give yourself a little bit of control in case they do hit. And then those guys get a chance to earn some money. Maybe they'd rebuff that. But I think of there's been quarterbacks like uh, Jordan Love, you know, hadn't even played yet. And he gets a very softball uh, contract just to extend the window. It's money in his pocket at the end. Uh, so, and you still have the ability to get out of it if, if you, I if you think want you're going to have to keep them on the 53 to do that though. Oh, I, I think if you're yeah. trading for any of those guys are going to yeah. be on the okay. 53. I'm not, I, that's, that's uh yeah. I mean, we, again, I would, I'd rather take a flyer on a guy later. I'd rather, I'd rather package a third and a fifth and move up to the back end of the second to take Spencer Rattler mm -hmm. than one of those guys. Um, Zach Wilson, especially Mac Jones, yeah. I think. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's actually a decent comparison right there is Mac Jones and, and Spencer Rattler. When you talk about what are the big concerns, Spencer Rattler has been humbled and reinvented himself at South Carolina. We don't know if that's the case with Mac Jones at New England, who, again, is one of those guys that his teammates might vote him the most most likely to get his ass beat by, by his teammates. Uh, that's a problem, you know. So when you flame out, would that humble him enough? It might not, considering he's gotten 20, you know, actually his was a little less. I think he's gotten 15 million guaranteed. Actually, I've got it in front of me because I was looking at it because I saw the super chat. He's got 15 and a half million in the bank from, from his rookie deal. He doesn't really have to humble himself if he doesn't want to. He can go get a job as an analyst somewhere. You know, he can, he can, he can be out and put eight figures in the bank. So we'll see. We'll see about that. Again. Would you take a look at? Yes, yes, I would. Insert name, doesn't matter. My job as a scout, as a general manager, is to look at every single possible option, no matter how far-fetched and remote they might be. What would I give up? Virtually nothing. Virtually nothing. A practice squad spot. Yeah. And there's just so little risk to that. I understand that people, that the odds of it hitting are also low. It's, that's why people prickle to it. Right. Uh, but you mentioned it. What are the options here? If there's obviously people want to cling on to the quarterback at 12 and it sounds like the Broncos very much are hunting for quarterback. I do think Scott listening to the press conference listened a few times. There was a lot of quarterback talk, but the coaches and general managers can only answer what questions are asked. And uh, it's a little bit of leading the witness there from the media when every single question or 90% of the questions involve the quarterback. Guess what? It's going to be a very quarterback centric press conference. Uh, but yeah, they have very little risk uh, for those guys other than, you know, a year where you don't have the answer. But you've had years where you haven't had the answer and you've paid way more uh, than that. So, you know, I I'm, I wouldn't be against it all. The one I, I'm not sure about is keeping Jarrett Stidham. I don't know if we saw enough that he is worth the contract uh, that he's going to get. I mean, I'm not in there. I, we only got two games and he kind of struggled and there's going to be other options available. Uh, so maybe that is something to look into as well. I honestly think the suspension kind of clouds this a bit, but I'm pretty sure Jimmy Garoppolo has the same uh, 
deal where he can go sign for veteran minimum and the Raiders are going to be on the hook for the rest of it. So actually I think Jimmy Garoppolo would be cheaper to, to bring in than Jarrett Stidham. And he, he obviously a broader sample size. So maybe he's a better option. The two game suspension makes things weird. Um, I don't know if that also impacts uh, the Raiders guaranteed money stuff to also, uh, but there, there's other options out there. So the one I'm, I'm like not as sure about is Stidham. It's insert very cheap veteran quarterback that you like plus former first round early pick in there to give yourself options entering the draft. I'm with you on that one. If you cut Jarrett Stidham, you save $5 million. He's seven against two right now. So you save 5 million. That's a defensive tackle. That's a good defensive tackle. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, again, I didn't I didn't realize that. That's interesting uh, about his contract if it's similar to Russell Wilson's. Um, would I rather have Jimmy G than Jarrett Stidham? Probably. Probably. I don't think it's a slam dunk, but as a neutral, probably. I don't think there's anybody out there besides AFC West rivals that would say, Oh, Denver Broncos fans would say, I'd rather have Jared Stidham than Jimmy Garoppolo. Most people would probably say, yeah, I'd rather have Jimmy G for $2 million than Jared Stidham for seven. I don't think that's a hot take. Hot yeah. take coming in from Kathy Schmidt. Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Morning, Nick Scott and Broncos country. That's all, y'all. To me, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, or Bo Nix at 12, and I'm a happy camper. Just want a fresh start at quarterback uh, for Broncos after all. Uh, fresh start would be good. That <laughs> would be good. Um... I think Drake May is the smoke. We go through this every year. We've got it kind of set in our heads, and then all these reports come out as people start their BSing and lying and all this kind of stuff, trying to maneuver the board in their favor. Agents, uh, other NFL execs leaking this kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then it ends up reverting back to what we thought all along. C. Stroud, C.J. You know, oh, C.J. Stroud is really falling. No, he, he wasn't, and he didn't. Mm -hmm. He still went number two overall. I think that's going to be Drake May. Three, four. I don't think May comes out of the top four. Flat out. I do not. Um, Bo Nix might be a little bit of a reach. J.J. McCarthy might be there. I think that could be your best option, Kathy. Um, I'm going to hit uh, String Guy and then go to Jeremy on a comment on this. Because um, String Guy follows up. He says, good morning, uh, happening horse followers. <laughs> oh, my daughter should be a Broncos fan. She's She's all about horses. Uh, I saw in Mel Kuyper's mock 2.0, he has JJ to Denver at 12. I don't think he's still there at 12, though. Atlanta probably takes him at eight. The big smoke right now around the Atlanta Falcons, Nick, in Broncos country is Justin Fields. So hmm. the Falcons, and I've said all along, watch the Falcons. Watch the Falcons and then watch Kirk Cousins and the Vikings because they're ahead of you too. But the Falcons are the key here. If they set their eyes on Jarrett's, or on uh, JJ McCarthy, you're not going to be able to get ahead of the Falcons unless you pay through the freaking nose uh, because they can offer up a similar or better trade package with number eight and day two picks galore and probably more tradable assets and players on that note too. They're just in a better position. That said, the smoke right now, so much so that I think it was at DraftKings, Nick, took the odds of, of Justin Fields to the Falcons off the board. They're like, no, this is happening. You're not allowed to bet on this anymore. If that happens, oh, I'd like to be the Falcons and trade back to 12 with uh, with Denver if, if you think you need to come up to eight to get your quarterback. I'd do that in a heartbeat, Nick. Yeah, it's uh, that's definitely an option uh, for the Falcons and the Broncos. Uh, we know they those two teams have dealt before, George Payton, 
and uh, Terry Fontenot. That was the teams that flipped each other, uh, flipped each other off. Now flipped picks in the 2021 draft when the Broncos went up for uh, Javonta Williams and the Falcons moved back. So there's, you know, there's some, uh, there's history there between the two parties and definitely possible. I I'm curious to see about the Raiders um, in this scenario. Also, there's been rumors coming out of Indy just today that the Patriots are heavily favorites to take a quarterback at three. Now I think that I think the Patriots probably thought Drake may wouldn't be there. And now it's starting to sound like maybe Jaden Daniels is going to go too, and that opens up the board for Drake may at three. So uh, we'll see the other team that sounds like is going to aggressively try to move up for a quarterback based on the internal rumblings, the Raiders sitting there at pick 13, uh, really want to get up and go get somebody to it. I think it's probably Jaden Daniels given Antonio Pierce's uh, connection there, but I, I don't know. We'll see. And uh, speaking of the Raiders, I see tofu comes in here and says that the, uh, where was it at? Uh, the, the suspension voids, the Jimmy Garoppolo contract thing. So if that's the case, then it's a different conversation. I don't know exactly hard enough to understand all the contract stuff with the Broncos, but let alone how a PED thing changes the suspension for guarantees for a guy who's released and paid. So, uh, We'll see about that. That's too bad if that's the case, because that would have been a really cheap relative option. But uh, yeah, we'll see about the quarterback stuff here. I do want to say hello to some folks still coming in here. Kevin Gray, good to see you. Morning, Nick and Scott. Who would you guys take for nose guard on defense? I think that there's there's not that many actual nose guards in the draft, unfortunately. So it still could be Mike Purcell back on a cheap contract. I think the Broncos will be looking for an upgrade. After Trevondre Sweat, I think probably the next nose tackle is... McKinley out of Texas A&M. He was down at the senior bowl, Scott. I just, when I watched him, he can jolt guys, I think initially, but doesn't have much after that initial jolt. Uh, but you know, I'll plug um, longer, a little more squat, but has long arms. So he's somebody day three, if he's there uh, round five, that'd be, in, I'd be interested in that. And I'm guessing there's going to be options on the market. One name that I really like that I was super impressed with last season before he got injured uh, is Daquan Jones out of Buffalo. He's been in the league for a bit now. He's going to be playing for his third or fourth contract. So he's not going to be very expensive. And I thought he was just kicking ass. Sorry to cuss, but uh, just absolutely whipping people up front for the bills. I think that bills defense, everybody credits Matt Milano going down and then them falling apart. But Daquan Jones going down at the same time really hurt them. So that's a name that I have my eyes and ears out for as a, a pro scout. I was super impressed with him. So I'll call my shot on that one. Yeah, we've gotten lucky in the in the mock drafts. Tafandre Sweat's been there in the third. Now, mm-hmm. that's a that's a freebie, man. I, I would do that in a heartbeat. I think he probably goes. So what did I say yesterday? Forty-five to fifty-five, somewhere in that range, or was I talking I was about somebody 50. else? No, I think I you remember that, that echoing, and we did Tavandre Sweat, and I, I can't remember, but I, I think forty-five to fifty-five is about right for Tavandre Sweat. Um, you mentioned McKinley Jackson. I forget he's three hundred and thirty pounds. He doesn't look like it, does he? No, he he's like pretty built for yeah. a three hundred and thirty pound man. Um, you know, the the um, the defensive linemen at the Senior Bowl uh, that were that size, Jaden Cremuddy, eh. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a, a good 3-4 defensive end, Justin Aboigby, I like him mm. a lot. He was good. Um, I'm hoping he moves up some Alabama. He's, you know, right in between there, not quite, you know, defensive tackle at 295, yeah, but not quite 3-4 nose. Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, Jordan Jefferson, 6'2", almost 6'3", 323 pounds. Pretty big kid. Um, on the other team, 
We'll go national. 308 was Dwayne Carter at Duke. Quick first step, not great at the point of attack. Uh, so maybe on those guys. Um, again, you're you could decide to go big defensive lineman in the first, in the first round. What would be awesome, Nick, is if let's say you can go back from 12 to 16 and get one of those big DL and pick up a second round pick and then get Bo Nix in the second. That would be awesome. That would be a phenomenal draft. And and David, he's concerned. He's like, this draft is going to be a nightmare because the Raiders may move up in the draft also. Yeah, you've got – the good thing is, is there's actually, I think, a lot of good options at quarterback. I think that's one of the positives here. Now, are you going to be the one – out there, you know, playing musical chairs. You know, we can call it dominoes. We can call it musical chairs. But, you know, you've got four guys graded first round. You got one on the bubble. You got a wild card in Michael Penix. Mm-hmm. There's six guys right there that I could say. And then Spencer Rattler's a little bit of a wild card, too. There's seven. Mm-hmm. And then Jimmy G could be available. He's all right. Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson for cheap if you're somebody else. You're, you like that option. Justin Fields. I mean, there's 10 guys. I really like Jacoby Brissett. I think that when he played for the Browns two years ago, he was really, really freaking good. Um, so I, I don't know. There's, there's options available. And I am honestly, I'm reaching the point where give me poverty cheap or give me the superstar at quarterback because like, I don't know if you saw a spot racks uh, projection for Tua Tungabiola's contract, but for your 220 million, uh, no, thank you. Uh, I would think I'd rather pay Sam Darnold pennies than pay Tua, who's one hit away from tragedy. Uh, that's true for everybody, but the, the concussions, it's a different conversation. Yeah, I mean, that... really, again, you hear these numbers and you automatically go, no freaking way. You know, no way I'm paying Tua $55, $55 million. And then you look. You know, what's the average at quarterback right now? Okay, well, 55 would be number one. But it's if you He's say $45 million, that's Patrick Mahomes at number eight. Josh Allen's at 43. There are 11, 12, 12 quarterbacks that are $40 million plus on average. I mean, I don't think going right for a above no. average starter is $40 million. I don't know if he's above average. I'm not a big two a believer. Um, and also you have the concussion stuff on top of it. So yeah, I think there's can a, I get a, can I draft a guy on a, and, and on a five-year contract with a, with six years on a tag and pay, pay what 25 with a, an extension is 50 and a tag would be, let's call it another 50 for a hundred million dollars. I get six years of a draft pick for a hundred million dollars versus four two twenty for Tua. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's, there's got to be a correction in here, Nick. There, there's, there has to be a correction coming, and I don't know if it's going to come anytime soon. We'll see Dak Prescott, and we'll find out if there's – and Tua and those guys, and we'll see if there's a correction coming in here too where teams go, wait a minute. For $50 million, I could build an offensive line. 
Yeah. I could, I could have two fire breathing edge rushers. I could, you know, they're, they're just, I feel like there's gotta be a course correction coming in here at some point, Nick, with this team building stuff, with the analytics coming in, eventually saying you are better off spreading the money around than dropping a quarter of your cap on one player. They have to be special at quarterback. I think the teams that really get hung up is when you pay the 15th best quarterback top five money, and then you are stuck for Russell Wilson. Uh, you're stuck for five years in cap issues. So oh. I'd rather, and I think the bot, I think there's not as many truly elite quarterbacks uh, right now. You know, like you don't have the Tom Brady's going on, but you do have, I think the, like the 30th through the 50th quarterback is higher than it's been in a bit. Uh, just maybe that has a lot to do with the offenses as well, but I just would not pay uh, that middle tier guy. And that's, I actually tweeted out I'm, for Jeremy yesterday for the, for the brand um, that like, I like, heck if the, if two attack of is getting two, 220 million, I, th- there's an argument for Bo Nix at 12 that I've, I would be okay with. Like I'd rather take Nix at 12 than pay two of that money. And th- and that's what it comes down to. For me, it's not the, the dollars. The dollars are the dollars. You know, it's, it's, it's in context. Opportunity cost. It's the context. Yeah. Because you, it's what a percentage of is your salary cap. To me, it's not so much that the top five guys get $50 million or, you know, 20%. It's when Daniel Jones, it's when the number 10 quarterback gets 18 to 20% of your salary cap. And he's number 10. We're talking about just above average at the position. Can't I get above average for a fraction of that cost? Now, if I've got elite, if I'm talking about, you know, guys in the neighborhood of greatest of all time, that's different. But I'm talking about those guys in the 10 to 15 range, taking up 20% of your salary cap. That to me does not make any sense. I I think there's got to be a course correction coming eventually. The issue is that teams that have those quarterbacks, their jobs are on the line. And if they, you know, punt on those kind of quarterbacks that are just okay and you go to the unknown, you could be fired. But honestly, if I was the Dolphins right now, you know what I'd be doing? I would be shopping the absolute hell out of Tua, looking for multiple first round picks from a team down there, like uh, down the way and then take a shot again. Uh, I'd rather have that cost controlled guy than pay him that money. But it's I'm not um, sending two first round picks to them for Tua Tonga Baloa. Not doing it. I wouldn't either. I think somebody would. I think somebody yeah, desperately I mean, if you're, might. If you're the Denver Broncos and you had a chance to, to send 12 and a 2025-1 for Tua, would you do it? For me, no, I would not. And then knowing he's got a, a big extension it's contract. Coming, it's the contract. Then you got then you got to sign him to another. You've got to give him the Russell Wilson contract. And Russell's was 150 guaranteed, um, not you know up to 220 guaranteed. He's younger, obviously, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing that. No way. I'm not sending two and then giving him the Russell Wilson contract for, with an extension that starts in 2026 when you've got the money coming off the Russell Wilson contract. I'm not doing it. No way. No. Yep. I think there we can tier quarterbacks at some point, Scott, uh, but he's not in the top three tiers for me. And I think that's probably the line I would draw right now for those quarterbacks. There's some potential guys as well that I still want to see more on. Uh, but we can have that conversation at some point in the offseason. Uh, Jeremy comes in and says, we're approaching peak McCarthy hype, and if Sean goes another way, then Broncos country is going to be upset, even though he might have preferred another guy. Some of Broncos country is going to be upset no matter what happens, so uh, I would not get too uh, hung up on what Broncos country has to say about that, including what Scott and I have to say. Actually, you guys should wait on uh, every word and breath of us um, on here on this show, but other than that, you know, it's he's not going to care too much, I don't think. Uh, he's going to, if anything, if Broncos country kind of revolts against his pick, he's going to say F you 
and uh, double down and try to make it work even harder. He's an ordinary, stubborn son of a gun. Uh, so I'm not too worried about it. But yeah, McCarthy hype is very high right now. I almost wonder if it's jumped shark a tad, Scott. I've, I like McCarthy. Now we're talking about him, you know, top five, top ten. There's just enough risk involved with the tape. I don't think he is. There's enough questions about some of the tools that he has, the sample size. And I was definitely in the McCarthy train. Like, I think it was actually, Scott, it was the Saturday before the meet and greet. Michigan played Michigan State. And that game, McCarthy looked like, oh, my God, if he can put together a few more games down the stretch that look like this, we got November football, we got December, whatever then we're talking no doubt top 10 guy because against Michigan state, he was had unbelievable throws had Maryland later had Penn state, Ohio state. It's just fine. He's okay. Alabama was Alabama. He had a good game against cool Alabama McKinstry and Terry on Arnold and Dallas Turner and all those guys. It was not as good as the Michigan state game. And it took him a second to get rolling. Like the first drive, it was like batted ball. And it's about it, the but, throws. As you mentioned, yeah. the stat line against Michigan state is, is like, I remember somebody posted a comment and I loved it. He's like, I, He's like, I watched that game and I thought, you know, okay, this was okay. This wasn't anything special. And then I look, he's 17 for 22 with three touchdowns and no interceptions. I'm like, oh, you know, I want to, I, I want to, on Jeremy's point on this, I agree to a certain extent. Um, if Sean goes another way, I think most people will say, okay, well, he liked this guy better. I'm okay with that. I think where the disappointment kicks in is if McCarthy goes before 12 and you're still sitting there at 12. If you miss on him, because you didn't get aggressive enough or whatnot. If McCarthy goes ahead of that 12 spot and then you don't, he may have preferred another one, but you wouldn't really know that. You'd never know if he liked the other guy anyway. If you choose, he takes Bo Nix over McCarthy and they're both still there. Okay, well, you like that guy better. But if you have to choose the leftovers, then you're disappointed. Okay, now I'm on quarterback five. I'm on fifth choice Ioni here. Um, I think that's when it becomes a little bit more of a concern. Mm-hmm. So be interesting to follow. We got my, the Ronk coming in here. Uh, good morning, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos. Good to see you, Michael. Hope you're doing well. Happy Thursday. We got Keith coming in saying the course correction, two stud running backs and the best offensive line money can buy. I don't know about the two stud running back aspect because right now I don't even know if you have one and the avenues to bring in. It's not a good, uh, running back draft class at the top either. So I don't know if you can say any of these guys are studs. I know Dane Brugler doesn't have a single, running back in the top 75 of his top 100 big board. Uh, but he has like five in the last 25. So there, there's going to be a run, I think it, or late round three to mid round four. Uh, but I'm with you about building the offensive line as well. I used to years ago, I was kind of like, Oh, we have other needs besides tackle. You don't have to be a tackle boomer. I wanted to tackle if they fell, but it wasn't do or die, but I've definitely leaning more on the tackle uh, because of setting the, setting the stage for the quarterback. I think Sean Payton can scheme open guys better than he can, scheme protection and run game like one-on-ones in the trenches i don't think it's easy to scheme those open versus getting guys open in space uh and also it's just a really good tackle draft uh as well so i'm not against the um the approach of really building the offensive line and the final point on that is who's the team that sean payton keeps referencing as far as the the pathway for the broncos to return back to relevance the detroit lions the detroit lions had the best line in football last season they have three first round picks on that line. They have the best right tackle in football last year. They had the best center in football. Sorry, Creed Humphrey. It's Frank rag now. Uh, and Taylor Decker is really a forgotten man too. He's a really good left tackle. So uh, everything else I think is afforded on that team because they have a matchup proof offensive line. Uh, so I don't think that's a, if it's not quarterback, I think it's gotta be 
offensive line for the Broncos. And here's here's the flip side of this. Yes, I argue with myself all the time. The flip side of this is yes, dominating trench play for me is is really the key. Then you don't necessarily need the quarterback. The problem is you're talking for dominating trench play, you're talking five, ten, probably twelve players. <laughs> you know, or at least you need, you know, eight serviceable guys and four difference makers on there because you need your offensive line. There's five. And then you need depth on the defensive line as well. So you need, you know, so you look at Detroit and you've got the offensive line and they got Aiden Hutchinson. Now they need to probably add one more piece, you know, to that defensive line. And then I think they're basically scheme proof because their defense was letting them down as much as anything. But to do that takes some time and money and all that stuff and trying to keep those guys. So from a course correction, Keith, when we're talking about this is like, I can, I can get the top quarterback and a top wide receiver a lot easier than I can get 12 guys in the trenches. Um, now, in college football, I've got the ability to recruit 25 guys every year, and I can get those freaking fire breathers in the trenches. And I think that's where the, the parity and the salary cap and the 53-man the roster helps balance things out a lot more. So you're not getting all of those defensive linemen on one team because then it would be game over. The other thing is that defensive line, edge rusher, and defensive tackle, they're some of the least volatile positions in football in terms of draft output. Uh, edge rusher is specifically the highest correlation between first-round pick equaling good player. Uh, so unless you have a lot of first-round picks or you get exceedingly lucky, you know, a Max Crosby kind of player, uh, you're not really going to have a chance to just stack uh, defensive linemen. And heck, that's what the – that's what the 49ers have been doing, right? First round pick after first round pick, lottery pick even on the defensive line, and then going out and trading for a Chase Young, uh, going out there and getting uh, paying those guys. So it is a viable path if you don't have the quarterback. I think that even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, that's still a viable team building path uh, with how consistently they've been good. But uh, yeah, let's get into the Mel Kiper. Real, real quick, we got more yeah. stars coming in. I want to get to Williams James Baker. He's over in uh, London, so he's one of our across the pond guys. William. The comments, thank you for the stars. We're not showing them because they're they're too long and they end up taking up like three quarters of the screen and we have to chin up to the bar to look over them. So I wanna I'm gonna read this just for future reference because we certainly appreciate the support. Heck yeah. Um he says, Morning guys, he's London. Uh out of these guys, who would you take in free agency? Drew Locke, DJ Chark, Perry Knotts. I don't know who that is. Uh, Patrick Queen, Chris Campbell, and Noah Fant. Now, I think this, the ship has sailed on the former Broncos. I think Noah Fant and Drew Locke, I probably have a better chance of playing for them before those guys do. I think I think that ship has sailed. Uh, inside linebacker, Patrick Queen, I'm not sure how expensive he'd be. Uh, DJ Shark could be, he's going to be 8 to 10, isn't he? It's The wide receiver market's crazy, man. I, I just don't, I think you're probably looking to draft a guy uh, this season, yeah, as opposed to paying I'm out on free agent wide receivers, man, unless it's one year on Mike Evans, you know, otherwise I'm, I'm out, I'm out on free agent wide receivers. I think you can get production cost controlled a lot easier at wide receiver than overpaying in free agency for them. The Green Bay Packers, you know, unless, you know, unless it's Tyreek Hill or Devontae, unless you're talking about one of the top two guys. And how's that really worked out? You know, Kansas City gives up Tyreek Hill. How many Super they've won two Super Bowls since then? Miami hasn't won a playoff game despite the brilliance of Tyreek Hill. Gosh, I'm getting back to my 
2011 arguments and trading five pieces for Julio Jones for a team that couldn't stop anybody. Unfortunately, in that trade, the Chiefs hit so freaking hard on all those picks uh, that it's it's there's no guarantee. Your late first round picks, no guarantee there. And to get Trent McDuffie and uh, George Karloftis, I mean, God, it's really they took Sky Moore too has not hit at wide receiver. I liked him coming out of Western Michigan, so Which don't hold why that against I said me. Nobody paid any attention. Everybody thought the Falcons, you know. Oh, the Falcons won that trade. It's because they sent the picks to Cleveland. They didn't send yeah. them to the Patriots or the Steelers. They sent them to the Cleveland Browns. You know, a, a disaster of an organization, and they can't draft. Yeah. Doesn't mean it wasn't a severe overpay for a team that didn't need a wide receiver, needed offensive line and defense across the board. So in this case, again, what it cost them, like two first-round picks and a ton of money? Mm-hmm. How, how was that? Devontae Adams has been brilliant for the Raiders. They haven't made the play. Did they make the playoffs? They did. They did. In last year? They did. Two years ago. Yeah, that's what they I mean. Last, last, last year, 2022. Yeah. They had they that game in. where if they had tied the Chargers, they both would have got in, and uh, they ended up winning. They lost to the Titans, I think, maybe in the first game, or Cincinnati. I don't, I don't remember, but they did make it. They were the seventh yeah, seed. And the Dolphins haven't won a playoff game again because I could take those five players that I'm giving up or, you know, a lot of resources for a, a skill guy. I could get mean in the trenches. I can get really mean in the trenches for the resources I'm giving up to give a skill guy. And, you know, you've heard me use this reference before, Nick. Come playoff football, to me, it's like the NCAA basketball tournament's changed so much, but it used to be you've got to be able to go inside in the tournament and get consistent baskets because one cold night of shooting and you're out. Well, now everybody shoots three-pointers, so it's it's different. But it used to be if you were a good three-point shooting team but had no post presence – it was just a matter of time before you got eliminated. If you've got all these flashy skill guys but aren't great in the trenches, you're going to get bounced mm-hmm. in in the playoffs. So, I mean, I believe that when it comes to team building, trenches, trenches, trenches. Lauren Traveri says, "Good morning, guys. I'm late and missed last night's show. How is the peace and quiet? It was solid. It was solid, Lawrence. Uh, I'm glad you're here today. Appreciate the stars. Troy Boer coming in. Good to see you, Troy." Hey guys, what on film makes McCarthy a first round pick and Rattler a third round pick? As an evaluator, what do you see that makes the difference? I like uh, McCarthy's motion a little bit more. I think he's a little bit more consistently accurate. I think he's has the ability to work tight windows while also protecting the football a little bit better. Where Rattler has like four, two to three games or throws a game where it's like, my God, what was going on there? He just missed a uh, sagging defender. Uh, also, McCarthy is two or three years younger uh, and I think a better athlete than Rattler as well. So uh, we'll have a chance to see them throw uh, both pretty close to each other um, at the combine. So we'll get an idea uh, about the arm talent there. But I think McCarthy is just a little bit more toolsy. Also, the fact that he's played two years now in a NFL style under center offense where Rattler has been kind of having to play hero ball with how terrible the South Carolina offense has been outside of Xavier Leggett this season. Uh, so I think that's the thing, but I, I honestly do think maybe we've jumped the shark a little bit with the McCarthy hype. I do think he's a first round pick, uh, but top 10, I think he's probably more of like a mid, like I'd great. If I was doing a true board, I think he'd probably be graded somewhere closer to the twenties. Now, of course, quarterback value, you almost have to make two separate draft boards because the quarterback value is so different. Uh, but I, uh, I'm curious, like I'm almost to the point where it's like, man, what would it cost to move up to get McCarthy? Would I rather sit there at 12 and take a shot at Bo Nix and not trade any assets than go get McCarthy at eight and give up, you know, 
three this year and a future two. It's it's tough, but uh, McCarthy definitely has a lot of traits. And the other thing is the leadership aspect um, is huge. Everybody loves uh, McCarthy. Coaches love this guy. Uh, as uh, I think it was, again, I, lo- I love Brugler's work, so I'll reference him again. But he mentioned that when McCarthy committed to Michigan, he went around and called the other recruits in his class saying, like, if you are not here and all about football, do not come to Michigan. If you are here to party, meet girls, drink, do drugs, whatever, go somewhere else. We are we are here to play football and win championships. Uh, so he's wired a little differently, and that is just coaches love that stuff. Uh, his senior year of high school, uh, he played in the playoffs, and they won the state championship. He played with a broken hand, uh, which is just, I mean, you didn't have to do that for high school football, but he loves ball. Uh, so not that Spencer Rattler doesn't love ball, but there's more questions and issues in the past at the same age as McCarthy is now. So I think those are the intangible factors are also big here. It's not to poop on Rattler, but more to elevate McCarthy. Yeah. And Troy, for me, McCarthy, he's just more, you know, let's, let's forget about the, the, the history with Rattler at Oklahoma and washing out there because he was kind of an a-hole. Let's, let's take that off the board and I'll just watch the player. McCarthy's bigger. He's more athletic. He's got a stronger arm and he throws better on the run. All of those things stick in my favor for him. Now, Rattler, um, again, Rattler is being talked about as a possible number one overall coming out of his freshman year. And he's got arm talent. I just, I like McCarthy's a little bit better. I like his tools and his upside more. Um, You know, and as far as the stats, taking care of the ball, playing within the system, that's fine. But, you know, McCarthy was at Michigan, you know, a national champion, and, and Spencer Rattler had again play some hero ball. So Rattler is a guy you can hit on for sure, but you've got to put them in order. And I, I like McCarthy a little better for the the physical reasons alone. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Fallick, good to see you. said, I've seen you get some diaper fun help. So here's some on the need new clothes every two weeks fun. Oh That's my God. <laughs> oh my God. That's a good point. <laughs> Mr. Fallick like, speaks <laughs> from experience. We can't stay ahead. Like uh, trying to go through like the uh, dresser in there. It's like there's clothes. Like we can't. There's no time to organize and you know get the old get stuff out of there. Cute little just, outfits that he never got to wear. Because he's born in winter too. There's like little newborn onesies where like it's the the legs are out and it's like we're never putting him in that because it's cold. You know he's he also was born early, so the uh, temperature stuff was concerning. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a uh, thank you very much. He says curious why we trade bulls and pay his cap. Well, wouldn't we get a comp pick back if we trade him? There's kind of multiple things here that I don't think I understand what you're saying, or maybe there's there's some things he's just, he's confused on the processes in here. All right. Curious why we trade bowls and pay the money because you can buy a better draft pick from the team you're sending them to. If I trade bowls and said, I'm calling up uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. They need a, they need a left tackle. They need, or, you know, they need a tackle and they like them. I'm on the phone with them and they say, okay, we'll offer you a third. Um, we offer you a third round pick and you say, okay, and we'll pay us full freight mm-hmm. $15 million or so uh, of his, of his base salary and say, okay, well, how about you send us a second and we'll send you $10 million. We'll pay 10 of it. So you're buying up a possible traffic. And like you said, uh, you corrected yourself on this, but just for those listening, um, if you lose him to free agency, you let him, you play him out the year and you lose him to free agency, you would get a comp pick back, assuming you didn't sign an equal or greater than free agent yourself. 
And in 2025, you're going to have some money. You're going to be back in the free agent game. You've got $25 million coming off of Russell Wilson's contract to the good. So you're going to be a player in free agency. So with these owners and the way the roster is right now, where you're not overloaded with depth, I have a hard time seeing the Denver Broncos getting a comp pick for anyone except maybe this year on Lloyd Cushenberry, because this year is the one year where they're going to be in cap hell. After that, you're going to be a player in free agency. Yeah, the one thing I would push back on here is just the the available value and dollars that you could get from Bulls on his last year. It's a there's almost no guarantee. He has 20 million cap hit this season. Only four is guaranteed. So if you move on from him, it's four dead and 16 free. I mean, there's your there's a free agent player right there and getting out of the red. Uh, you also might be able to get a better pick than what you'd get in a comp pick, assuming right. that you can get a comp pick for him by sitting out in the offseason next year. I'd rather cut him and have $16 million in available space this year than play the, the comp pick game. I think that somebody would trade a third round pick for him, though. Uh, in the and, end, it might be something the question where was, why would you trade and pay money? Th- that's why, because I can buy a better pick back. Von yeah. Miller was traded for a second or a third. And the Broncos said, we'll pick up the rest of his salary. You send us a second and a third or a third. So when Vaughn was traded, you paid, you sent Vaughn and $10 million to the Rams and you got a second and third round pick. That's why you would do that. Yep. So yeah, that's a, uh, we'll see what happens with the Bulls. I think that there's a lot of talk about it before. I know the ball, I've been told the ball is in his court and his agency or representations court as far as a new contract. Uh, we'll see what happens, but also maybe the, I haven't talked to anybody, but maybe the uh, 13 additional million dollars in cap space changes the math a little bit. So maybe the Broncos have a little bit more options to keep him than they thought. David Carmelo comes in front of the show, says Raiders head coach Antonio Pierce publicly said he doesn't want a band-aid quarterback and Las Vegas has far more draft ammo than Denver. Does this influence Denver's draft plans? I don't think it influences Denver's draft plans because they're going to set a price for what's available and work on that stuff. And they'll have cost and what they think is fine. And if another team outbids them, we've seen the Broncos, they have a price and they're not willing to come down or overdo it uh, for a lot of guys are trading away. So I'd assume that's the same here. It's also the same to me as Sean Payton mentioning that he wants to make sure the next name on that Jersey is not one that they're crossing off. Of course, they're looking for the long-term option at quarterback. What are they supposed to say? Nah, we don't really want the long-term guy. We're going to, you know, the next guy, he's, he's, we're assigning him to fire him. Uh, so I think that that's, it's a lot of, of course, you're looking for that. You're talking in platitudes and big picture here. Doesn't mean that it's going to work out that way for either of those teams. Well, you could be saying that we think we're in a position to win now and we're going to make a play at quarterback that can help us win right away, which is the equivalent of saying we're going after Kirk Cousins. Or Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah, that type. So, David, I I think it it could. It absolutely could influence the, the draft plans and say, okay, we're going to need to move up some if we want this guy at quarterback. Which, again, going into the draft, watch the Vikings watch the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons could be done here before free agency. That would be a boon for the Denver Broncos. Ryan Poles, Chicago Bears general manager, said three times at the NFL Combine, if we move on from Justin Fields, we want to do right by him. We want to do right by him. And by me, by that, we want to trade him before free agency so he's not living in a gray area. Free agency starts on March 13th. Two weeks, Justin Fields could be in one of those spots that crosses possibly one of the teams ahead of you off the board to take a threat away. He ain't going to the Raiders because of what, Getzy? He ain't going to the Raiders. So it could, it, it, 
the Falcons are your biggest threat, I believe. And if they're off the board, you're happy. And again, you get up to eight. I think Eric eight guarantees you, JJ McCarthy. I think it's all but a guarantee, and the Falcons would be happy to move back to twelve. I believe. Yeah the the issue is that I think the team that's most motivated is Minnesota. So we're watching Kirk Cousins, of right. course, too. But uh, the way they're set up right now, especially having to pay Justin Jefferson here very soon. I almost wonder if the cost control quarterback aspect is very beneficial for a team like Minnesota, who has just so many expensive uh, pieces on that team. So I think you could, I think you could structure Jefferson's contract to take the push the, the big hit back that you could balance it with $40 million of Kirk cousins for the two years mm -hmm. that you're in Kirk cousins window. So I think that's okay. Um, but again, the good news for the Broncos is you're, almost 100% looking to the draft for a quarterback. Those yeah. decisions should be made. Those decisions should be. Yeah. Kirk Cousins should be signed before the draft. Should be. Yep. Uh, Kirk Cousins, heck of a quarterback. If the Broncos were in a different situation, I'd be interested in that. But uh, alas, here we are. I think the real fun chaos scenario is that, uh, what do you think the 49ers could get for Brock Purdy on a trade right now? First round pick, first and three, something like that? they could get a first. The 49ers doing something like trading Purdy to Minnesota and then Kirk Cousins reuniting with Kyle Shanahan. That would be just I, I, too I fun. Think they could get a first. I don't think it would be if he didn't, if he had three more years like this and he's 27 years old, they could probably get multiple first round picks. But I, I think there's still the system quarterback yeah. attached to his name despite his success. And frankly, he can play. He, yeah. He, he, he's, he might be in a good system, but he can make throws. He can he can make the throws that are required. He's ballsy. Um, Brock Purdy can play. Honestly, Purdy is an, a really good comp for J.J. McCarthy. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of the under center aspect. The arm is good. The playmaking ability, the toughness. I think that there's actually something there, Scott. Um, if you're comparing the two quarterbacks. But speaking of comparing the quarterbacks and J.J. McCarthy, Mel Kuyper's mock came out um, just uh, the other day, and he's the, the draft godfather. I really respect uh, – uh, I almost said McShay. Sorry, it's got uh, Mel Kuyper and everything he's done. So, I mean, gosh, we would we might I might not be here doing this uh, if it wasn't for, Todd, or for Mel Kuyper and everything he's done. So we always like to see what he has to say. Uh, he mocks to the Broncos at 12 overall. Quarterback J.J. McCarthy. Uh, he says, I'm following my coworkers and sliding in a quarterback to the Broncos. Why? This might be their only chance to add a high-ceiling signal-caller prospect this offseason and not mortgage their future to do it. They're almost certainly going to cut Russell Wilson, leaving a void on the depth chart. They don't have the cap space to add a quality veteran. Moving up from 12 might require a first-rounder that would hamper them down the road, so why not just take a shot at McCarthy at 12? Look, this would be a reach by my rankings, but I could see why a team in the top 15 would talk themselves into McCarthy. He has an intriguing skill set as a passer. He will test extremely well during the combine workouts and impress coaches and front office executives in interviews. He wasn't asked to carry the Wolverines with his arm the past two seasons, but that doesn't mean he couldn't do it in the future. Sure, McCarthy needs some refinement, but Sean Payton could get the best out of him in Denver. So I definitely think there's an argument there for McCarthy at 12. Uh, he is... Young, I'm I'm really excited to see how he tests, Scott, because they keep everybody keeps talking like, oh, he's gonna test really well. He's gonna test really well. And we saw a little bit of that at Michigan, but he was never asked to be, you know, go out there, win it with your legs, playmaker, you know, if you put it on your back kind of stuff. So I'm hoping to see he test pretty well uh, out there. And 
I would not be against McCarthy at 12. I do start to worry about the aspect of trading up uh, for a McCarthy at, you know, six through nine range. I don't know if I'm all about that, uh, so to speak, but McCarthy at 12, I think even though it's the, there is a cost or what's the word you lose an option to add another player because you burn the 12th overall pick. I still think it's relatively limited risk. If he just ends up being a mediocre quarterback on that cost control contract, that's against league average on the open market. That might even be okay. Uh, so that is, uh, I'm not against it by any means. They're not trading up for a quarterback and taking one at 12. So the other back and he stinks. You're going to be picking high again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to have a chance to, to do it again. Um, you know, that's not necessarily what Broncos country wants to hear. Uh, but that's, that's the benefit of going with a rookie, a rookie contract. Um, with, with going with a rookie, if he doesn't work, you're going to be picking high again. I, this the, the problem is, is Nick, I think you agree. This could be the, the chance, the really the last chance for two years to get a quarterback. I know you've said that if McCarthy went back to Michigan for a year, he'd likely be the number one quarterback prospect in the 2025 class. In my opinion, I know that's probably a my, uh, minority opinion in Broncos country because of the Colorado Buffalo connection with Shadur Sanders. I think it'd be a conversation between Shadur and McCarthy, but I think McCarthy just has more tools, and I tend to lean on what I can see and evaluate, which is the traits and tools. So I would probably have McCarthy as the odds-on favorite uh, for number one overall next season. But 2025 is a year away. Who knows? I really like the... The talent, they're going to have to put it together. And this could look, I mean, it's kind of like a few years ago, Scott, if you remember me being like DJ Ungalele, huge and big arm. We're watching. We're intrigued. Just the his big arm and tools never really figures out how to play good quarterback. Okay, whatever. So 2025, two guys I'm keeping an eye on are uh, Texas A&M's Weigman, I believe is the pronunciation of the name. I think he was a five-star, went to Texas A&M. He's got a live arm. I pocket guy, but live arm. And then somebody who was super erratic last season did not look like he knew what he was doing at quarterback. But as far as the combination of the arm talent, body type, and athleticism, uh, Drew Aller at Penn State, he could end up being a day three Joe Milton type. But like foot in the door traits is what I'm talking about. And I'm keeping an eye on Drew Aller as well. And Colorado brings up Riley Leonard. Uh, I also like Riley Leonard um, at Notre Dame. We'll see what he does this season. But I don't think he's the same arm talent conversation as Weigman and Aller. But uh, that's. There's, there's guys in 2025. I do not think it's like 2022's quarterback class where it's like, oh my God, this is just, what is going on here? Um, but uh, it's definitely a down from this season. So when NFL mock draft database was compiling the mock drafts around Thanksgiving, Shudor Sanders was the number one overall prospect. I thought that seemed a little high. Um, now that they've had, you know, the rest of the season and a couple months to compile all this stuff, Sanders is down to 50. 50 overall. The top quarterbacks on the NFL mock draft database right now are Curtis Rourke, Indiana at 26, Cameron Ward, who has transferred to Miami at 45, and then Shador Sanders at 49. So if that's the case, if it ends up like that, your best chance for a quarterback the next two years is going to be this year at 12. Um, Now, Mel Kuyper says, you know, this would be a reach of my rankings, which, you know, that means, ding, I'm triggered. How big of a reach is a reach? He's got him 23 overall. 23 for your quarterback. So he ranks him back, you know, back third of the NFL draft for a quarterback. If you take him at 12, 
that's not too big of a reach for me. That's not no. too big of a reach. Now, the rest of his quarterback rankings are um, he's got Caleb Williams, one, Jaden Daniels, two, Drake May, three, J.J. McCarthy, four, Michael Penix, five, Bo Nix, six, Spencer Rattler, seven. I think those are the consensus guys in the top seven. I think that's where we started the show talking about seven guys. Those were the seven. And then you might switch the order of Daniels and McCarthy. They flip-flop between two and three. And then Knicks and, and uh, Penix sometimes switch between five and six. But that's pretty consensus. He doesn't have Penix, Knicks going in the uh, in the first round at all in his mock. They've got him in the second. Yeah. And talking about quarterbacks in 2025, uh, I don't know where you're getting that from, Scott. But I, I told was, you, NFL mock draft database. I think I know, but like I don't know where they're pulling it from exactly. I guess they're just uh, mocks in general. But I don't think any of those guys are ones that I would be big on. I think I mentioned, you know, they have Weigman from Texas A&M, Aller from Penn State, Leonard from uh, Duke, now at Notre Dame. Also keeping an eye on yours at Texas. Uh, and another name to keep an eye on is Carson Beck at Georgia, who is kind of a Jared Goff mold, so to speak. So, I mean, there's, there's guys next season. We'll see how it plays out, but it's not I like Michael Ronquillo likes Carson Beck. Carson Beck's good. Um, he's, I think he's got a chance to be pretty good, not overwhelming traits, uh, but a, a solid quarterback, uh, all the same. And I saw a comment here. We don't need to get too far down the road here. Uh, but a string guy says, I thought Sanders more athletic ability than quarterback skills. I don't think Sanders is actually that amazing of an athlete. I think he's, uh, if I was going to compare him, like if he, his, the best, if he meets, reaches his absolute best at the NFL level with his type of body type and arm talent and athleticism, it looks like Joe Burrow. Like it's like unbelievable processing, uh, good pocket movement, uh, accurate, really hitting tight windows, but he's not going to win a throwing competition in terms of RPM. He's not going to outrun guys, but he does enough of the quarterbacking stuff where he can be good. That's the S tier of what Shadur Sanders can be at the level, which, can happen, uh, but I don't think that uh, is, you know, going into the year, obvious traits kind of conversation. And stay uh, healthy back there. I know they're going to be in the portal for offensive linemen. Already have sure because he got his he got his butt kicked yep. last year. He's tough. No, he's I think his younger brother is probably the better athlete. He's playing corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Deion Sanders is the fastest guy on a football field I ever saw. Um, Even faster than Tyreek Hill. I mean, if you looked at the relatively speaking, if you look at the yeah. numbers, there's probably data that would say, okay, Tyreek Hill hit 24.2 miles per hour. Relative to the people that were out there, Dion was a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. I uh, I mean, I watched him one time. There was a screen pass. San Francisco 49ers, screen, screen went right. Dion's on the opposite side. It's a 60-yard pass. Dion comes all the way across the field and catches him before he gets there and he came across with a um with a forearm across his chest as he takes him down and they called a personal foul penalty on him for like clotheslining him when he and then Dion gets up popping his chest like not like I'm the man but I got him here and the replay showed he did and I'll never forget the color commentator as Dion is coming across the field in live motion goes oh my god Look at Deion Sanders as he's running 80 yards to catch this guy. They gave him a penalty on that. They should have given him a medal. Deion's the fastest guy I've ever seen on a football field relative to the guys he played. He was unbelievable. And we got Jeremy Barker also talking about 2025 quarterback saying Jackson Dart out of Ole Miss. Did you see Jackson Darts? You probably didn't see this, Scott. 
he signed the first ever of its kind NIL deal with a private jet charter company. So uh, that's uh, college football nice is work. the Wild West right that now. That doesn't it's, surprise uh, me. At, at Ole Miss is uh, between there and Memphis. Yeah. You know, that's they're, they're up there. There's a lot of there's a lot of old money it's, in those areas. That's something. Um, yeah, and Jeremy comes in and says tools are important, but the mind of the quarterback is almost everything. I, the tools, it's more about the enough factor and it gives you more margin for error and avenues to hit in the NFL level. But you're right. The, I think honestly, you know, I'm going to take over even the mind of the quarterback. Scott is the competitive drive. I don't think there's ever been a great quarterback that is almost not a absolute psychopath competitor. You have to be you have to be built and wired differently. The intelligence has to be there as well, but there's been some, you know, goobery kind of, you know, not as smart quarterbacks. Uh, Brett Favre comes to mind that are you know, football smart, all the same, but has the arm where it gives you different avenues. But like every single one of these guys, they will scratch your eyes out if it meant getting a W. They uh, just unbelievable competitiveness, I think, yeah. is probably the the number one you have to have. The first impressions leave an impression. And this was one of my first guys. Uh, but the most talented thrower of the football I can ever remember seeing from frame size arm release was Jamarcus Russell. Mm-hmm. I, I, I used to talk about scouting was like treasure hunting. If you're hacking your way through the jungle and you come to this field, you part the weeds as you get to this field and you see this guy throwing, you're like, oh my God, there it is. I found it. That's it. But he was so talented. He never had to work. Not a bit. And once he made his big money, once he got drafted, I mean, he was kind of an underachiever at LSU and still went number one overall. Mm-hmm. He was, oh, I mean, it was, it was just a beautiful thing watching him throw a ball, but he never had to work for, for any of it. He was yeah. so much better than everybody else where he was. And the work ethic just wasn't, wasn't there, no matter how talented he was. Got him paid. Good for him because of that upside. But I agree. You've, you've got a, You've got to look. William James Baker coming in. He was on the show last night, back again today. This is probably a better hour for you over there in London. Who's your team, by the way? Since uh, you know, I'm 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 drinking the the, the Chelsea uh, the Chelsea Kool Aid here, guys. I stayed up till two a.m. last night, but wanted to ask Jerry Judy trade or keep? If trade, what would be a good deal? And uh, uh, and if we keep, will McCarthy like him? Um, for me, the money is more important. I'd take whatever I could get if someone was willing to pay the $13 million of guaranteed salary. Um, After that, you talk about just like the discussion with offensive tackle Garrett Bowles. After that, then it becomes more negotiable. We're going to send you a sixth and $13 million. Okay. Um, We're going to send you a third and you're going to pay 10. Maybe, maybe, but there's, there's going to be some flex in there. Yeah. I would expect anywhere from a sixth round pick to a fourth round pick. Uh, for Jerry Judy, the issue is that you only have one year of control left. Uh, he's not obviously been a great receiver in the NFL uh, to date, and injuries have been an issue uh, with Judy. And it's just there's so many options in the draft and free agency this year. Last year, if Scott, if you remember, it was kind of a barren wasteland at uh, wide receiver in free agency. I think the number one guy was Jacoby Myers. Uh, this year looks a lot better. Now some of these guys are going to be snatched up and everything, so that's going to be a little different. Uh, but I think it's a better wide receiver draft class as well than last season. So 
I just think that the market is going to be less demanding because teams are going to feel like they have more options. So I'm expecting a day three pick. I do think it's coming based on what Sean Payton mentioned uh, that day. He said that uh, the uh, Marvin Mims, they want to get him more involved. It's the coach's fault that he wasn't better last season and more involved. And it's kind of hard because he plays the same wide receiver spot as Jerry Judy. All right. Well, I'm not great at math, but two plus two. Uh, so I think that Judy's probably gone and they're probably going to take a much lesser return than what Broncos country wants. Unfortunately. Um, real com- comment on this real quick. Just as we misremember um, string guy says those Deion Sanders, Jerry Rice battles were epic. However, Jerry Rice was getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, they were drafted four years apart. So they're, they were pretty similar with the, with the Falcons. Uh, I could have to look up his four touchdown game against this poor cornerback named Charles Dimry. Um, the problem with when they played against, you know, the Falcons, the Falcons were so bad that they could, they could go somewhere else. You know, they had Brent Jones, they had Novacek, or not Novacek, uh, Brent Jones, who's at Rathman uh, at fullback, Wendell Tyler, Roger Craig, John Taylor. I'm getting my Cowboys confused. John Taylor was other. They had so many. And then, and then Joe Montana. Um, Dion made a name for himself more when he got out of Atlanta, gets to the 49ers, gets to the Cowboys. And then he becomes a, a, a you know a big time name, but they were they were five years apart, four and a half years apart in age, so not you know their their primes kind of lined up with one another. Uh, Michael Ronquillo coming in with huge stars, five thousand stars oh for those of you counting at home. Thank you, sir. It says wow. thanks, Nick and Scott, for your kindness to Broncos country. No matter if we don't agree with it, go Broncos. Nick closes every show with choose kindness and compassion. It's Sometimes harder to do than you might think, but if you can just take a breath and say, okay, kindness and compassion, try and live that way. But sometimes it's, it's harder than others. So I appreciate Nick for that. Yeah. It's, I mean, football, it's nice to get upset and, you know, blood boiling about stuff that uh, really doesn't truly matter that much in the grand scheme of things is distraction, but uh, we're distracted together and we enjoy it. And it's a good way to, you know, lean into that tribalism a a little bit. My team is better than your team. Of course, your team is the worst. How could you think so? But uh, Michael, I'm on team Ronk and uh, Ronk is on team Broncos for breakfast. And we appreciate you so much. Uh, Did want to one last thing before we get on out. I did not know this. Conger Hyder says Charles Dimery was a Bronco for a while, Scott. Oh, good Lord. Maybe he was better for you than he was for the Falcons. But that poor guy, this was when the, the Atlanta Falcons were in the, uh, the NFC West and had to face Rice and John Taylor twice a year. Dimery wasn't that bad, but oh my God, did he have nightmares against Jerry Rice. Rice had his four touchdown game against Charles Dimery. And old, old school Falcons fans will remember the old NFC West in the 80s and you know the height of the 49ers dynasty and Jerry Rice just torching the Atlanta Falcons. So hopefully he was better for you than he uh than he was for the Atlanta Falcons. And he says, no, he wasn't. Um, the Broncos, the JJ McCarthy there, I'm fine with him taking him at 12. If it doesn't cost too much, I wouldn't mind trading up. I just I don't know. I I worry about the the upside with trading up. If he's their guy, then I get it. Uh, but I think that I might honestly rather have Knicks just at 12 than give up, you know, a two and a three plus, you know, a pick swap to go get McCarthy uh, just because I think this team needs so many pieces right now. Uh, the other thing is the guys that the Broncos pass by taking McCarthy at 12. I'm all about McCarthy at 12. That's fine. But the next picks coming off the board, Byron Murphy, 
defensive tackle from Texas. He'd be a really nice piece on that front. Uh, he's going to test awesome. Uh, Talese Fuaga goes off the board at 18. Uh, he'd be a great piece for the Broncos. Terry and Arnold comes off the board at 15. You have Olu Fashanu come off at 14. You're talking about a tackle there. He's dipping a bit, but he'd be a nice uh, log to add to the fire to the offensive line. So uh, looks like there's going to be some, there's going to be talent available. And as Peyton mentioned, there's 12 to 15 guys they like. I don't know if that's a ploy to get somebody to pay more for the potential move down, uh, but certainly uh, it does look like there's a lot of good talent at the top. I do think that about pick 15 or so uh, there is a drop off that occurs. Um, so maybe it's better just to take the guy there than you know, get a couple of uh, day two, day three grades rather than get that true ground one kind of grade guy. Uh, but We'll see uh, in the end. So any final thoughts, Scott, before we get out of here? And thank you guys so much for the stars. Uh, really appreciate it. Have fun with the combine this week. It's always a good time. Sticking at 12 and getting J.J. McCarthy would be best case for me. That's mm-hmm. what I would hope for the Denver Broncos. Doesn't mean I'm right. Could end up no. being a bust. But that I like I like him. If you have to move up from there, the problem is, is you know, Jeremy says, I'm fine with a minimal trade up for whoever they like. When you're when you're playing in those deep waters of the top 15, there is no such thing as a minimal trade up in cost. And being that you don't have a second round pick, it would probably cost you at best next year's number two to move up anything at all. And to get into the top 10 is probably going to cost you next year's number one. So that's why would you rather have would you rather have Bo Nix at 12? even a trade down that would be so awesome if you thought you could if you could get him at 12 that would be one of the best case scenarios move down to 20 pick up another day two pick up another second round pick address another position yeah would you rather or would you rather give up around one in 2025 and number 12 to move up to eight to take jj mccarthy no i'd, I'd rather have bo nicks i'd rather have and i just don't know if you can count on trading down right now and getting the quarterback that you and getting I don't think you can count on trading down and getting Bo Nix. That would yeah. that's that's risky. I think yeah. you can the risk is staying at 12 and getting JJ McCarthy. I think you can get Bo Nix at for sure at 12. So you if you like him you like him equally, you do not trade up, period. Because yeah. I still think it would be too expensive. Yep. And Gary Palmer comes in and says, Thanks for another Broncos for Breakfast entertaining pod. You guys are the best. You're the best, Gary. You guys are all the best. We appreciate you so much. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at scout kennedy i am at nick kendall mhh also follow us at mile high huddle as well as uh bfb football pod make sure you're following us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and as that ticker says there underneath please subscribe to mile high huddle like the uh broncos for breakfast show and share on your social media platforms we always appreciate that head over to itunes leave us a rating as well if we didn't get to anything um to you that you guys had questions on hit us up on twitter i'm overly active on uh, Twix, uh, which is not great, but uh, I love talking ball and uh, I'm accessible. So uh, if you guys have a question or something, I want to pick my brain or just, you know, you, there's, you want to continue the conversation, hit us up. Uh, we, we live for the philosophical, big team building picture stuff and draft evaluation conversations. That's why Scott and I, when we started doing the show, three years ago now before, I mean, it was probably almost exactly three years ago. It was leading up to the Patrick Sertan draft uh, hit it off pretty quickly because just, you know, interesting thought in the uh, philosophical conversations about talent acquisition and team building. It's always a lot of fun. I want to say a special thank you to our super chat superstars. I'm going to go in order here because Michael just came in with more color. It flashes big on Facebook. You come in with 6,000 stars. 
like Michael Ronquillo just did, which means 11,000 stars on the day, which, you know, for those of you who don't know what stars in, that's a significant investment on Michael's part. Yeah. So thank you very much. Road Glide Nation kicking us off here with a couple of supers. Kathy Schmidt over in Germany. Thank you so much. David, Keith Brugman, Lawrence Rivera, Troy, Jonathan, David. Uh, let me see here. Michael Ronquillo, Jeremy Barker, Gary Palmer, and then finally Michael Ronquillo closing us out with this one. Broncos country is lucky to have Nick and Scott here talking about the NFL draft and the NFL draft. Go Broncos. Michael, we're lucky you found us. We're very thankful for your support. Zach and I will be back tonight to talk combine. We should have some numbers pouring in from the NFL combine by the time we go on about 8.15. Front seven. Front seven, guys. Go tonight. Should be fun to watch. Should be fun to watch. One final thing on here. I see a conversation about the ceiling of Bonex. Do you have a ceiling comp for Bonex? Because I have one, and it's a quarterback that I actually love. Um, it's not, I see Alex Smith in here. I see, uh, Drew Brees. I have somebody different. Um, and it's a more of a, it's a college comparison for this quarterback. I'm not great with comps. You know, I can, I can tell you the traits and then you can decide that sounds like I, I didn't watch enough NFL the previous 10 years to say, okay, this is a, a great comp. Um, I think he's really good first read guy. I think he's incredibly accurate. Uh, in short to intermediate routes. I think he's got good size. I think he's a really good athlete. Um, I think he's a little bit limited on overall velocity and arm strength. Yep. Who's that sound he, like to you? Not who he's developed in the NFL. This is best case scenario, I believe. Um, and Jeremy says Nix was best in the pressure last year. He's also the least pressured quarterback out of 300 last year, like literally last. So I just think the sample size is not good there to take too much away from that. Uh, but I think absolute best case scenario for Knicks is a quarterback that I adore and that I think I'm much higher on than anybody else in not well, most people covering this sphere, but it's, I think it's Dak Prescott, uh, really good, quick game quarterback built very similarly, not overwhelming velocity, but very accurate. And, uh, I think that Prescott before he got injured that one year is probably the early comparison for me for Bo Nix. And I love Prescott, but there's been a lot of development from Prescott, Mississippi state to Prescott today. But I think that's, that's the one that I come back to that I could see. And I love Prescott, but I love Prescott as a uh, day two guy. And are we higher on Penix or next? I'm higher on Nick's Penix accuracy over the middle of the field, injuries, athleticism, uh, long throwing motion, all kind of uh, scare me a bit. If I had one game, it'd be Michael Penix. If I'm investing for multiple years, it'd probably be no Bo Nix because of the injury history with Penix scares me. Yep. So, uh, but I, for one game, uh, I like the way Michael Penix throws the ball considerably better than yep. I like the way Bo Nix throws the ball. And then Jeremy says Dak isn't a gamer, though. I mean, is Bo Nix a gamer? He lost every time to the Huskies when he was out there at Oregon. I mean, the big games he had, he lost uh, that I can think of. He really got boat raced. Uh, by Georgia. I mean, that's, I don't know if he's a gamer either, uh, so to speak. So again, in the big matchups, yeah. so that's what you're talking about. Again, that's the, the SEC bias kicking in. You know, if you ask anybody in the South, if Bo Nix is a gamer, the answer is going to be a resounding no. If I'm making a case for Bo Nix, I'm going to say he got better as he matured and, and he improved dramatically. That happens naturally. It just didn't happen at Auburn. So uh, it happened somewhere else. So therefore people kind of wipe that away. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know if I would call him a true gamer, but I mean, the big games he had, like, do we call beating Utah 20 to 17 two years ago a big 
game. I, I don't know. Uh, that's fine, but well, we got a whole, we got a lot of time to talk about this still. So appreciate you guys. We're going to get on out of here. Uh, have it, enjoy the combine. It's one of the best days of the combine. I see that the interviews with the tight ends are going on right now. It sounds like the Broncos are interviewing a lot of tight ends, which not shocking. They probably should have taken one last year, but that's a different conversation and a really good tight end class last year. Uh, and we get to combine from the defensive line today. So it's God, I cannot wait to see the big guys move. It's going to be fun. Have a great one. Choose kindness, compassion. Have a great weekend. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country.